Hello there. Happy Thursday to all of you listening and to Adam. Because I know Adam's listening. Yes, it's Thursday. That day that you put aside for time for go to bed. It's me, the Suze. And my co-host will soon be here, Kenny Pick. Kenny Pick is also of... It came from it came Cleveland. from Cleveland. That's right. And he says happy Thursday, just like I do. Happy only in a Thursday. more masculine voice. Happy Thursday, just like I do, but in a more masculine voice. That's exactly what he said. I told you he would say that, and he did. Kind of harsh. Yeah. That's would what you we do. Like to know how it feels. Yeah, we're we're just gonna use a variety of volumes, just like they do in Doctor Strange. We're just sometimes we're just gonna whisper to you very gently, and other times we'll scream at the top of our lungs. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, you don't. That's like a problem it. with the Disney movies on uh, Disney. Disney Plus. It's like... Yeah, what's a... You know, we don't have a quality sound bar or anything. We just use the sound off of the television. I don't oh, really is that want... why? Do they want to sell us that? Is Does it... Yeah, they want to... Sound... Oh. Of course. They always want to sell us something. Anyway. Okay, I just wondered. Like, they, if we if we write them a note and say, yeah, get your volume controls under control, they'll be They're like, laugh. you should have bought a... Hmm? They're going to laugh at you. They don't care. They'll laugh at you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to laugh at you. Well, we took last week off. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your patience. Um, but last week was my birthday week, and it was really, really, really hot. And I just hate having it was, he headphones It was on. a heat wave. Yeah. Heat wave burning yeah. in your heart. It was rough. Yep, it was a heat wave. Yeah, burning and in your it heart. It was like ninety. Yeah, it was a heat wave. It was it was hot. So, um, yeah, I so I hated the idea of having headphones on when it's that hot. Is what? That's yeah, that's what you said. You said you hated the idea of putting headphones on. So, I guess we should probably look at eBay and find out what we sold over the last two weeks since we took a week off. Got it. I'm on it. I think the last thing, because I think that you, um, when you were looking at the eBay, the last thing you did the um, thing was, was on quarantine and comic book villains, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't the last things we reported on? Uh, yeah. So, that was it. after that, we sold FM on VHS. Yeah, that was one of our earliest listings we ever made. We had a couple of really good days. Uh, we're still down a little bit over the last 31 days, but we're still within acceptable margins. Um, yeah. And we're getting some big orders, some multiple orders, some repeat customers, which is pretty exciting. But, um, but yeah, so going to all of our orders here... Um, we uh, yeah, there's there's we had a huge one. Our repeat customer we'll talk about when we get to it. Uh, but she's a listener, uh, and she's given me permission to say who it is. Oh, so that's, pretty that's nice. Uh, I was hoping she might be listening, but I don't know who's listening right now. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. She might listen more on podcasts. But, uh, but yeah, this, yeah. F- this FM movie is from 1978. had Martin Mull, Cleavon Little, and music by Steely Dan, Tom Petty, and Jim- Jimmy Buffett. And a lot of people yeah. think that it was the inspiration for the TV series WKRP, WKRP in Cincinnati. Which is pretty fun concept. Yeah, sorry, I had to mute yeah. to open my soda real quick. Um, <laughs> and then something I found for a, a quarter, found for quarter. a quarter at a thrift store recently, it was a sealed copy of the Outlaw Josie Wales VHS 1976. Sold that for eleven ninety nine, so that was good. Free shipping, of course, on just about everything. We are changing. We're going to try and do some lower price point things where the buyer pays shipping, just to try and you know, trick him. Not really trick him. Just you know, he knows that we're we're gonna we're gonna mail it for three dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> do you want a lower price and you pay the three dollars? That's fine. Or yeah. we can just do free shipping and charge you the $3 in the price of the item. That's yeah. usually better, but we'll try it the other way. What the heck? Sure. Why not? So the one above uh, Outlaw Josie Wales, you got that one? Adam Rib, Adam's Rib, 1949. Sold that for eleven ninety nine on DVD. Was Catherine Ka- Hepburn. Spencer Go Tracy. Ahead. Spencer Tracy, yeah. And Spencer Tracy. It's a romantic comedy. And Thanks. that one, I believe, came from that one auction, online auction, you bid on at an estate sale. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then we just keep making money off of that one. Made all our money back. Yeah. Finally sold this. It's been sitting around forever. I it, uh, <laughs> uh, Hercules in New York, 1970. Uh, it was a brand new copy and uh, sold that for fifteen ninety nine. And on DVD. Yeah. And then you got the one above that? Yeah, above that is Technolust. 2002 DVD. Tilda Swinton. Sci-fi cult classic. Karen Black. Hard to find. But yeah, we sold that for $12. And, and that's been... Well, the VHS version has been kicking around for a long time. I don't know if that's been kicking around a long, long that time. That was one but. of the 33 cent ones from the Mark's Discount store. Oh, I see. So yeah, so so thirty three cents into twelve dollars, but then you know take out you know it's it's all profit, but you know make made about seven bucks off of that. Um, and then uh, cult classics twenty movie pack sixteen fifty. It has a bunch of like drug movies, uh, like uh, reefer yeah. reefer madness, madness, cocaine fiends, and eighteen more. Yeah, um, but uh, that one you know. That one's kind of hard to let go of, but you know, it, we didn't. We paid a couple bucks for it. We made a lot. Yeah, that was down at the at the pager store. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see because I, I mean, I've seen Reefer Madness, but I'd never seen Cocaine Fiends, and it seemed pretty funny. But yeah, you know, it's always good to sell too. I didn't have time to watch it, but yeah. oh well. And you know, made somebody happy out there. And then uh, you go ahead. The, the next three were, were a repeat, a repeat customer. Yeah, uh, one of so our our guys. You want to rattle? And I off? and I wonder like what he think what he's thinking of our new listings. Well, our new listings that we just listed. But this guy bought uh, buckets of blood twenty five movie collection, which seemed cool to me. That you know, 
bloody binge night horror, um, Roger Corman's Creature Movies, triple feature, Beast from the Haunted Cave, and two more. And he also bought a Class Reunion Massacre, 1978, and Carnage from 1984. So that's like, what, 25, 28... 29, 30 movies he bought from us. <laughs> yeah. So, and his total was 36.16 because he took advantage yeah. of the 20, buy three, get 20% off. And he also left feedback that was like, uh, we'll buy from again and again and again. So, uh, he loves our store. Yeah, which and, is cool. Like, that's, that's the customer we want. We want the customer that wants to watch all those B movies. Yeah. Wants to have them, you know have them around because they're not they're not going to be streaming everywhere and yeah. uh yeah so that's exciting and uh, we just did a whole bunch of sinister cinema cinema listings so i'm yeah, wondering we'll what that that, yeah. that kind of be loving movie guy wonder what he's thinking of it you know yeah well, well and we'll talk yeah. about the sinister cinema stuff later because that's interesting yeah. in and of itself um well, go ahead and do the next one and then i'll do the next multiple uh, the next one we did is The Challenge from 2003, uh, Mary-Kate Ashley Olsen. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, final direct-to-video teen comedy. So, sold that for $9.99. It's one of those things where we're not big fans of the Olsen twins, but somebody we got is. it. So, let's somebody see if somebody is. out there wants it, and they did, and we're happy with that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, we, we've keeping sold it most... out of a landfill can't say it it really changed the face of cinema that much no nope. but it's an interesting teen movie from people that are really into 2002 three 2003 was not a bad year by the way mm -hmm. but go on uh then our multiple order another multiple order this is on uh june 12th um yeah, so we're we're doing like two weeks worth of sales here. So, uh huh. Um, yeah, but, you get uh, the five five items ordered. Uh, so she, she, I believe she got twenty percent off at least three of them. She should have bought another one. Um, but uh, she bought the Little Rascals nineteen ninety four DVD new. Uh, the best of Mister Peabody and Sherman Volume One fifteen animated classics. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's that. Uh, I found that in the thrift store for like a dollar. Uh, little Cute packaging too. L little, yeah, Little Rascals and both of the, and the Mr. Peabody were both thrift store finds. David and Goliath, 1960 DVD new. I believe that was a local retail arbitrage thing for a buck and a quarter. Uh, Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man, 1951. That's a VHS. She bought a VHS and all the rest are DVDs. Uh, and the other one was Superman and Friends. Four animated series episodes, and I didn't think anybody was going to buy that because they sell. You can buy a complete series, like a complete season of the Superman animated series, Batman animated series, Justice League for like ten bucks. But she mm -hmm. she snagged this one, so I think some people just they don't want the commitment of a whole bunch. And they're like, oh, it'll be fun to have a few Superman cartoons. So, uh -huh. and judging uh -huh. by her purchases here, this almost kind of looks like she bought this maybe for her grandkids to share stuff that she liked or something yeah like that, you know um yeah and it's kind of funny because you got some animation some biblical action some yeah, uh that david stuff david and goliath has orson wells in it 
Yeah. So, I remember that. But uh, her total was uh, 47.66. Yeah. So that's good. Reasonable. And uh, you go ahead and take the next one. So the next one we were very happy about. Sold the DVD. Sealed. Uh, Hercules and Xena. The Actually, animated movie. It was the one uh, beneath that, but go ahead and finish. Oh, beneath that? Oh, no, I didn't see anything beneath okay, that. Okay, Care, Care Bears, the Carathon games, uh, 2012, uh, 999 we sold that for. Uh, that also, I'm sorry, I don't that see that from, on my listing. That's fine. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, it was canceled. Oh, that's why you don't see it. Yeah, that's why I don't so, see it. Oh, never mind, they canceled that one. Oh, my apologies. Oh, Oh, I'm fine. not looking at canceled. I'm just looking at sold. I'm looking at all orders. That's all. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Because I remember when Should the we take a break. Should we take, do you want to take a break? Maybe. Yeah. All right. Here, here's some uh, commercials. Yes, Mr. LaFoot. This is the crunchiest mixture ever made. Good. Hello, Captain Crunch. Now, I, Jean LaFoot, challenge you to a crunching contest. But LaFoot, nothing's crunchier than Captain Crunch cereal. It's sweet and delicious, made of corn and oats with two kinds of sugar, and it's made crunchy to stay crunchy even after you pour on the milk. What can possibly match it? My own cereal, Footsies. All right, gentlemen, take three paces, turn, and crunch. One, two, three, turn. Captain Crunch cereal. Yay! And this stuff tastes awful. It is crunchy, though. What's it made of? Eggshell, celery sticks, and just a pinch of blackboard chunk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, LaFoot. What I can't stand is this crunchier than thou attitude. Get Captain Crunch cereal from Quaker. When a fruit and cereal lover finishes that last piece of fruit, she's finished. That's why Post makes Raisin Bran with so many sweet, chewy raisins. She can get fruit in her first spoonful, her next spoonful, and her next. The way Post makes Raisin Bran, she can get fruit in every spoonful and never have to run out. No wonder Post Raisin Bran is the fruit and cereal lover's cereal. Say good morning with a dick of speck. Dick em. Just one breakfast starts like that. Kellogg's Sugar Specs. Dig em. Toasted wheat plus eight good vitamins. Kellogg's Sugar Specs. Dig em. I dig Sugar Smacks. <laughs> What's wrong with that frog's airplane? Engine croak. <laughs> They're part of your good breakfast. Kellogg's Sugar Specs. That's a dig em smack. Don't be scared. I'm the super sweet monster with the super sweet new cereal, Count Chocula. Bethel. Here's the super sweet new cereal, Frankenberry. But I've got chocolate sweeties for monstrous chocolate flavor. Well, I've got berry-flavored sweeties for monstrous strawberry flavor. Count Chocula. Frankenberry. Hi. Ah. <laughs> Frankenberry. Count Chocula. Boy, working in a Fruity Pebbles factory is beautiful, fruity pull. This morning, I had this desire for something fruity. I came to work, and I'm surrounded by Fruity Pebbles. Beautiful, fruity pull, fruity pebbles. The ever-dever fruity do. On my work break, I have a good breakfast featuring Post Fruity Pebbles cereal. Fred, I got this desire for something fruity. Have Fruity Pebbles, Barney. Oh, Fred, Fruity Pebbles are beautiful, fruitiful. <laughs> the ever-dever fruity do. 
Look at this stuff. Some cereal. It's supposed to be good for you. I'm not going to try it. Let's get Mikey. Yeah. He won't need it. He hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. Regular, cinnamon, and raisin life. Nutritious, delicious. This is the story of the Freakies and their perilous search for a home. The leader of the Freakies was the fearless Boss Moss. Whenever the Freakies had a problem, they ran to Boss Moss. We're afraid. I understand exactly how you fail. He never solved the problem, but he was always understanding. At last, they came upon a wonderful tree, which grew their favorite cereal, Freakies. Happy day. Every morning, the cereal would ripen in the sun, becoming toasty and sugary and golden with vitamins. What are you, scavenger or something? And they knew they had found a home. <laughs> oh! Hmm, I wonder what the taxes are like here. Freakies is part of a good breakfast, and you get a free freaky magnet in specially marked boxes. Oh, those freaky magnets. We had a few. So, yeah, um, I, um, I've looked at those online on eBay. I really, I kind of want them, but they're kind of expensive. They're kind of rareish, and they're kind of junky so. too. Well, they're what? Kind of crappy, cr cheap, cheaply made. Yeah, yeah, I, that's my whole. You just described my childhood. No, not necessarily. Um, but uh, but yeah. So, um, getting back to where we were. We got things straightened out over here. But yeah, the Hercules and Xena, uh, this one has been hanging out forever. Uh, it's an yep. animated movie with Lucy Lawless and that butthole Kevin Sorbo <laughs> uh, reprising their roles from the, the live action series. Um, and uh, apparently it's quite rare on DVD because uh, all these people had it priced super high. And I... Um, I got the, it was a 50 cent movie. I uh, got that, you know, from the Highlander acquisition, which we refer to every once in a while. And um, I sold it for $61.50. I had a, um, and I had just sent an offer on it. I sent an offer for like, you know, $45 or something like that. And it, it, it expired, but there were like 10 watchers on this stupid thing. <laughs> And, you know, it, and I think that, that most of them were just waiting for me to say, okay, fuck it, $20, you can have it. And, you know, but I, I wasn't going to budge. And finally it sold, got to the right person, and uh, ta-da, you know, ta-da, turned 50 cents into uh, sixty-one fifty. So you got to love uh, little things like that uh, to make a few extra bucks. So, uh, all right. So here's and it, yeah, here's another one that uh, the one above that. You can go ahead and read that one. I had an interesting. Well, I have Mulholland Falls. That's it. That we sold in 1996 DVD. Uh, Nick Nolte, Jennifer Conley, neo noir crime thriller, obviously remade in 1996. We sold that for 14 bucks, but uh, that was kind of neat. Like I um. Of course, when I saw the title, I thought it was Mulholland Drive, but yeah, the David still, Lynch movie. it was uh, something out there that uh, I hadn't heard of. Yeah, and of course, I, the the guy was real picky about it too. He he, he like 
sent me a message and he was like, is this damage on the cover on the artwork? And I was like, nah, it's just a little ding on the case. And I took new pictures and sent it to him. But, and then he was like, okay, I'll buy it. And then I waited and I waited and I waited and he finally paid. And it's like, how long did I make you wait for the pictures? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. But at the same time, you know, yeah. what do you and, do? What yeah. do you say? Yeah. Sometimes somebody will like, have you, Doing backbends over fourteen bucks, and then somebody else is just like, "Yeah, sixty. I'll pay that. Bye. Give it to me. Send it to yeah. me. Thanks." You know. Um. Then above that, we have Wild from twenty fourteen, uh, new DVD, uh, Reese Witherspoon based on the novel by Cheryl Strayed. I don't know who that is, but usually, if it's you know, um. It, you know, it's uh, usually, you know, these books, you know, these story. we try and put the author of the books that things are based on. And this sure. one had so little to go on as to what type of movie it was and everything. For me, it just made more sense just to put based on the novel and the title. And then that, that sold it. Nine bucks. And, you know, it's something I got for a dollar. Um, and I, for some reason... When I looked at the sale, I thought it was, I knew it was new, but I thought it was on uh, Blu-ray. So I was looking at Blu-rays, and remember this last week? And I went in and I looked everywhere in the Blu-rays. I reorganized the Blu-rays completely and alphabetized them. And I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot find this. And you were like, it's on DVD. And I was like, oh. Happens you know, to the best but of then, us. What? It happens to the best of us. Yeah, but you know, you got—I mean, you got it organized, so that's good. But uh -huh. you found it almost immediately. It was really funny. And uh, go ahead and take the one above that. This is a, another yeah. slim case victory. <laughs> above that, I have uh, Angel of Fury, aka Dragon Lady Two, mm -hmm. um, and Breathing Fire DVD, brand new for twenty-two fifty. And that uh, so. Angel of Fury, a.k.a. Lady Dragon, has Cynthia Rothrock in it. She's kind of a oh. uh, martial arts. Uh, she was an up-and-comer martial arts star until the action movie genre started to, you know, bottom out in the early 90s. Sure. And, um, you know, and what, what became just like your standard, you know, action movies started becoming huge, huge blockbusters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh but that one sold for twenty two fifty. That's something that I got in a massive lot of things. That probably paid for the entire lot of, of slim cases that I got. Again, East West DVD, man. I, I get you know, I, I just keep selling them. And then uh, yeah. above above that was a pretty nice set of a movie called The Dead Matter from twenty twenty or twenty ten rather. Uh, yeah. It was a three disc set. It had and it had two midnight syndicate cds in it it had the midnight syndicate soundtrack for the movie the dead matter and the best of midnight syndicate and then yeah. some random inserts like cd inserts were in it too and it was strange um and uh and it had a little booklet too but tom savini the makeup artist was in this movie uh he actually acted in it um oh and then i didn't know that of course, cannot keep it in stock, Suze. What, what's next? Oh, what is next? True Lies, 1994. For, we have no idea why. Uh, we sell this out on DVD and VHS and everything else. Out it goes out the door for 
I think we this still is, have it it's on not VHS. even new. I, I still yeah, and I raise the price like a dollar every time I put it up. Oh, why not? And yeah, do we, you think we have another copy somewhere? No, true lies, no. But I'll, I'll grab any copy I see at the thrift store. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, apparently it was a very popular movie in Ohio, but it's not available elsewhere. I don't know. Um, then uh, the Quiet Man, nineteen fifty-two DVD, John Wayne, Maureen O'Hara. We we just got a lot of Maureen O'Hara stuff in. Not this wasn't from that lot, but. A lot of VHS. Um, then uh, go ahead and take the next one, Suze. Um, let's see. The Quiet Man. Shockwave. After that, Shockwave, a.k.a. AI Assault, 2006, DVD. Michael Dorn and Robert Picaro, science fiction action. $9.99 for that DVD. Yeah. That one yep. was uh, $0.33. Cent. DVD, uh, former rental uh, from that Mark's uh, acquisition that I always talk about. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, Michael Dorn was Worf in Star Trek The Next Generation. And Robert Picardo, I believe, was the doctor mm. on Star Trek Voyager. Hmm. Um, and uh, and then, then here's our... Uh, this is our return customer who has listened to the show in the past. Uh, I don't know if she's listening tonight or not. But uh, she gave me permission the last time uh, she made an order um, nice. to mention her. It's our good friend, Caitlin Chris. Caitlin Chris made a huge, another huge order uh, from us. I won't reveal prices or anything like that on this. I'm just going to talk about her taste. That's nice. And um, she did get 20% off uh, the entire order. Um, Smart. Smart. And, Smart yeah. lady. And uh, she she got Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, Airwolf season one DVD box set, Star Trek uh, four or yeah for the voyage home, Hubble fifteen years of discovery two thousand DVD with a bonus music CD and thirty two page booklet mm -hmm. very nice set good call good score there. Uh, she also got Mission Discovery two thousand five DVD special edition three disc tin case NASA documentary, uh, Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman twenty ten to eleven seasons one and two DVD lot. Brand new, The Last Unicorn, 1982, yep. with a nice slipcase uh, edition. Yes. And The Beatles, Yellow Submarine uh, DVD. Yeah. And uh, she was very generous uh, in giving us her business a second time, and we appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, and I, I put a bunch of unicorn stickers on her box because she ordered The Last Unicorn. There we go. And that was our last unicorn copy. That was our last, last unicorn copy. It is. Are you sure? We don't know. You might be right. I'm you looking might. at my personal. You have your personal copy. one. Yeah. I don't know if I want to sell that. <clears throat> I wouldn't. Um, I mean, it's not like it's a super high dollar item. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, but it is a movie that I looked forward to seeing, and I saw it in the theater. Yeah. And. Uh, Enjoyed it very much. It was from 1982, mm -hmm. but I think I saw it in the theater in 1986. You uh, want to read the one above that? Sure. Above that is The Magic Sword, 1962 on DVD, with Basil Rathbone, and Vampire. No, no. Nermi. Uh, no, no, no. Myla Vampira Nermi. Oh, okay, yeah. So, Fantasy classic, yeah. $8. 
But I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know all these. No, that's okay. Uh, but that was bought in a lot of stuff. Uh, I made a, a, a little bit of money off of it, but not a ton. It's just one of the, kind of one of those vanity things that I just wanted in the store. But it was an order sure. I made. It was like twenty bucks for everything. It was it was yeah. one of those one of those warehouse uh, eBay stores that it's like buy two get three free. So I paid like next to nothing for it. But you know, didn't make a ton of money, but it, I made a little bit. So that's good. And then uh, Jesse James, 1939, with uh, Henry Fonda. Nice slipcase uh, version of the Randolph Scott classic western, 1199. Yeah, yeah. That was in, I don't know where that came from, but it sold for 1199. And you can take the one above that. Another slimcase, a victory. Uh, Last Challenge of the Dragon, 1976. Duel of Ultimate Weapons, 1983. DVD slimcase martial arts. Those went for eleven ninety nine, but yeah. Yep. Those are. And then this is a weird one. Art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the those slimcases. We got another good one coming up. Actually, we sold yeah. this one twice within a couple of days of each other. Um, the then we uh, got a kids. Yeah, but the the super super Y. Cinderella and Other Fairy Tale Adventures DVD brand new PBS Kids 11.99 that was also from that Highlander one where the the $60 Hercules cartoon sold from um and then skip over that next one and go to the the Tucker and Dale one Yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil 2010 Blu-ray uh Alan Tudyk Tudyk Taylor Labine comedy yeah uh, horror! Yeah, it looks like a fun comedy horror. <laughs> so yeah, that's been kicking around for a long time, and we sold it for thirteen fifty on Blu-ray. Um, this one, I, I was really happy about this, because I know I got this probably for a 75 cents or something, maybe a dollar. But um, it's a documentary called America's Lost H-Bomb from 2007. Uh, DVD, new, rare, cold, cold War nuclear documentary. twenty nine ninety nine. And the reason I priced it at that is because I couldn't find this thing anywhere else to save my life. And it's oh. a pretty crazy documentary. It the, It's literally about the United States losing a nuke. Nah. There's a lost nuclear bomb, uh, a, a, a hydrogen bomb, rather, um, out there, which is, is terrifying. And then, uh, <laughs> all right, so you take uh, the next one, the VHS above that. Oh, okay. Did we get the deserter and dead aim? No, no well, that yeah, we, uh, that was part of what we sold because that's a we just sold two copies of it. So anyway, never mind. Okay. Um, I, so that's why I said uh, yeah, to skip it. the last temptation of Christ from 1988 on VHS. William Defoe, Harvey Keitel, Scorsese. I mean, nine, nine you know. bucks. I paid a quarter for it. Um, yeah. One Man's Justice, a.k.a. One Tough Bastard, 1995, DVD, Brian Bosworth, of course, former football player, Ooh. with MC Hammer, action. Uh, $11.99, $11. I don't know where it came from, but I saw it, and I was like, somebody's going to buy it. And uh, But Susan already gave away our first uh, what we sold, um, because we sold it twice within days of one another. Oh. So oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's why I said okay. skip over, skip over. Ah, uh, 
Not, <laughs> Dang, I'm smart. Not taking direction really well. Sorry um, about that. And uh, that's okay. It's the first one in the trailer block. But let's uh, go ahead and take our what we sold break as soon as I find it. Um, 623. Here are the last three items that we sold. Enjoy. This is a fun mix. Every army has its deserters. But this man was different. enough hate in him to spend two years killing Apaches. What who doesn't care too much about living. He handpicked the wildest bunch of renegades who ever shot, stabbed, and scorched their way across the West. Take off your clothes. I want you to know how hot that sun up there can get. Since when does a deserter have to be called by his rank? The deserter recruited those who lived to kill. You look damn fancy. I am damn fancy, sir. Those who kill to live. I'd love to bend that rifle over your head. Maybe the Irish aren't as tough as they used to be. Those who just killed. How is God this morning? God is in his heaven, and all is right with the world. You're one of the chosen few. A handful chosen to face overwhelming odds. Colonel, you asked me once whether I was giving you a direct order to cross the Rio border. Well, now I am. And if you fail to obey that order, I'll have you thrown at the guardhouse. He hasn't got the guts to go. The Deserter, a film forged out of human endurance. Suspense. Treachery. Raw courage. And cold steel. Go on, kill him. He would kill you. A chosen few followed him into hell just for a chance to kill him. How could I have gone from the king of rock and roll to this old guy in a rest home? You were an Elvis impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip? Who was it? 
20 years ago. That's where they took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, President Kennedy was a white man. They dyed me this color. What we have yet, Shady Rest, is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. He can just keep on feeding unless he's finally destroyed. Stop on you, baby. Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy surprises, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals that ever plotted to take over the world. Number one, the Riddler. Question, who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? Number two, the Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> Number three, the penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. <laughs> Number four, the catwoman. Oh, you're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. <laughs> And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. <laughs> Good thinking, Robin. Um, more pauses than William Shatner. Uh, so, yeah, so the... the, the the last one we saw a little more complicated than just the movie itself, uh, the Batman. Um, that was my own personal copy of the 1966 Batman what? movie. The, the first, very first copy, uh, or the very first uh, Batman movie uh, outside of the old, the 1940s or serial that they did. So that was the first feature-length uh, Batman movie ever made. And I sold that. Also, with another thing for my personal collection, there was a uh, Topps reissue 143 trading card set lot, um, and it, in the reissue, it was all um, it was a reissue of cards that were released at the same time that the Batman TV series was on in the 1960s. Really nice yeah. little set. 
Um, I sold sold them both together for forty five fifty. The card set had could could sell upwards of fifty to sixty dollars by itself. The tape sells for like seven dollars. So this was a way for me to skirt uh, the. Uh, you can't send trading cards uh, media mail. No. Um, and but the the item that I scanned for the listing was the Batman movie which I can yeah. send media mail and the cards are a bonus, you know? Um, uh, so, so that's, you know, perfectly fine. I'm within, within the, the realm of, of good, you know, good shipping practices. And then, uh, this one, the last two, we just dropped off at the post office today. Go ahead and take the next one, Suze. Okay. Hold on just a minute. No problem. I thought we were at the end here and oh no i'll just oh no that's fine that, that's right i usually just read these off bubba hotep 2002 dvd bruce yeah, campbell yeah. aussie davis uh don coscarelli movie nine bucks not a lot but you know i got it for cheap uh and then uh sue's uh mentioned it before the deserter from 1970 and dead aim from 1971 dvd with chuck connor's uh, john houston cult western um, yeah. and basically I sold that one for twenty five ninety nine, but the other one I sold just a couple days before for nineteen ninety nine wasn't brand new and sealed. So I just was like, all right, well, I sold this one, uh, and, and then I posted it again. I don't know why this movie is <laughs> all of a sudden people want to buy it. The deserter looks really cool. I watched the trailer for a little bit of the trailer while I was recording it. And uh, it looked like a pretty gritty, uh, gritty Western. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so I know I've seen that before in thrift stores and I didn't buy it because I was like, I think I have two copies of that. I did. And I sold them both. So, <laughs> um, and, and again, these slim cases, if you guys ever see these out in the wild, you know, grab them because you never know if it's going to be some kind of weird and rare thing. I mean, there's a lot of like cruddy TV shows that have been already like re-released, like, Things like, you know, Bonanza and stuff like that that, are you know, aren't worth anything because they've been released a million times in a million different forms. And now there's full box sets of those. So but if it's a weird movie or a TV movie or something like that, that's uh, that's where you want to, you know, I think that people really like them. And, you know, I think it's just the trend now that people really want to be minimalist and they don't want a whole bunch of stuff on their shelves and these that tiny slim cases they don't take up any space at all you know yeah they take up what the, a third of a normal dvd case pretty much yeah so people uh, like that yeah and uh you know uh, you know and i always found them enjoyable too but yeah these things we, we uh, again for our storage of these we don't mix these with regular size DVDs. We and we kind of roughly alphabetize them in, in some special boxes that we made for them, um, because they're just uh, those titles are so hard to read on the edge, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I. But once they're alphabetized, you can generally have a general idea where it might be. So yeah, yeah, we do yeah. Um, categorize things by the t <coughs> excuse me the type of media they are. Like we put Blu-rays with Blu-rays and slim cases with slim cases and DVDs with DVDs and VHS with VHS. So and we separate the sealed. Yeah, we would generally separate the sealed VHS from the unsealed ones, um, just to keep them from not getting knocked around as much, you know, because we don't want to 
damage that seal and then be like, oh crap, it's not worth anything now, you know. Uh, but um, you know, because a lot of the movies that we do have that are factory sealed uh, only have value because they're brand new, because they're kind of common. Um, you know, the you you're you're gonna lose like seventy five percent of your value at least on on some movies that aren't in shrink wrap. Um, and, you know, because there still are a lot of there's a lot of people out there with working VCRs and they want to buy a new movie, you know, because they don't want to they've been burned by buying junky old pieces of crap and you know it eat, gets eaten in their player or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we we um. We do encourage people, if it's your favorite movie and you want to have it slabbed for collection purposes, you know, and you, you, uh, they, they, when they look at the movie, they look at the corners on the packaging. They don't look at the, the saran wrap that mm -hmm. is on the outside of the package. They look at the corners on the cardboard. Yeah. So that's how they grade things you know, for the mm -hmm. grading system, and then yep. they slab it for them. But if somebody wants to pay $60 to have something slabbed, go for it. We're, we're just going to sell you the thing that you're going to have graded. We're yeah. not going to grade it for you. <laughs> All right, so here's a, a little bit of our feedback. Um, uh, we're, we have 553 positive feedback. Uh, we did, I did have to do one return of at least one return of it last two weeks. I, there was a DVD that was defective and I just gave the guy his money back. Um, he didn't respond to me. I wish he would have, uh, cause he's like, not looking for anything, but you know, um, but I gave him his money back. It was only $12. It was a Hot Wheels DVD. Um, yes. but here's, here's a big sigh of relief. Uh, sigh of relief because when we sell high ticket items, I love to get positive feedback on them because I want to make sure that somebody's not going to complain. Uh, arrived b quickly in brand new condition, Hercules and Xena, the animated movie. So, um, and you know, yes. some, so that went in inside an oversized box. Anything over pretty much in any DVD, uh, I have boxes that i strictly use mostly sure. for for high value vhs tapes but i've started using them for high value dvds too because i don't want to take a chance you know i mean it's like ridiculously you know it's it's the box is like nine by seven by two and so it's kind of perfect for a vhs in a bubble envelope inside the box and then taped up real well um but for a DVD or slim case, if I sell a slim case for $30, it goes in one of those boxes just because I'm not letting anything get crushed. You know, I'm not giving, I do, I do not want something to get smashed and have to refund 30 to 60 sure. or $70 on. It's just not worth it. Now I do economy shipping, but I still wrap things in cardboard and put them in bubble envelopes for the, um, for all DVDs and VHS um, but it's, it's a cheaper method, uh, that I've, I've, uh, that works really well. Um, but yeah. there is, a, there is a crushability potential with them. If, it, if something super heavy gets put on it, I mean, just, it's the nature of, of, you know, I mean, unless you put something in inside of a steel box and then in a cardboard box, there's a chance it could get crushed. You know, it's just so, but I, I fortunately nothing has been crushed in the last, 
I'd say maybe around Halloween last year, I had a slim case DVD get crushed, but I sent the guy, I had another copy and I sent the guy that and a bunch of freebies to make up for it. Yeah. So, cause I was like, no, no, no. He's like, I didn't, I wouldn't have bought it if it was in this condition. And I was like, dude, come on. It wasn't. I sold you the one that was in the pictures. They smashed it. But it, that was yeah. my my fault because I just put it in a bubble envelope and I sent it out and it got smashed. So um, yeah, we learned that that was it's it's better yeah. now. Yeah, you know it's it's trial and error. You 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 want to have faith yeah. in the post office that they can get things you know there without smashing them. But um, uh, but then here we go. We've got ours. We sold a copy of Zardoz that we had to take a return on. Which is sad because yeah. it worked for me and it's a super nice box uh, on it, uh, VHS. But uh, the customer got a full refund after they mailed it back because I wanted to test it for myself. And it said uh, the tape didn't play well, but received a no nonsense return and refund. Thanks. So, um, so yeah. So we that, ever wanted. That was something like that. So now, um, something that I bought a while ago. Um, there was a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime once opportunity to grab a collection of DVDs from a company known as Sinister Cinema. Uh. And they, uh, the, uh, this guy, basically he, his uncle had this big collection of B-movies and stuff, and none of the some, Sinister Cinema movies have barcodes. They're basically mail-order Print, burn it and print on demand movies you get no frills on the artwork um they will have like some simple artwork on the front like some lobby cards or or, or the original movie poster or a still from the, the tv from the movie or tv show or whatever and sure. um there it, and the thing is sinister cinema has the distinction of releasing things that f uh, film companies have conveniently just dropped because usually yeah. because there there are like the rights have expired on things there are international you know releases that nobody's claiming claim the rights to I don't know where these guys f figure out what they <laughs> can gr grab and put on DVD but they're geniuses because of some of the stuff that they release and the the thing was I I, I tested all of them. And they're very no frills. They just have like a DVD-R menu, and it'll say it'll it says like title, trailer, movie, you know, yeah, stuff like that. And you hit it, and sometimes they'll throw on some some other fun little thing, but not not very often. Like I found one that had three bonus trailers on it for three different movies. Um, sure. And um, I started realizing, uh, seeing a pattern of some of the movies that were uh, being released. Um, and a lot of them have very uncomfortable subject matter, but were released by some bigger studios. Like the, the best example I can talk about is this one called the terror of Dr. Hitchcock from 1962. It's a horror movie with Barbara Steele, but the terror of Dr. Hitchcock, the, ter <laughs> the terror happens to be that he's a necrophiliac. I would not put that in the title, on uh, in the description or the title of of it, because that's a rough thing. <laughs> you know, I I mean, I, basically, I put I'm not gonna say what the what Doctor Hitchcock is, but let's just say he prefers his sex partners to not be alive. You know, 
Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, rough stuff. And, uh, you know, but uh, it's like, it's a movie. It's, yeah, you know, it's it's nasty, whatever. But I'm going to put but it But what year was it? It's, it's from pre-60s, 62, right? 1962. Oh, that's right. Okay. And then there's another one. Then this one, probably just because it, there's probably no copyright holder on it because it was a regional film. It's called The Yesterday Machine. It was released. It was made in 1963, but then released maybe somewhere between 65 and 66, and it ran in Texas, Texas drive-in theaters, uh, for like up until ni- 1974. They said, um, and essentially, the Yesterday Machine. Basically, there's a mad scientist that is building a time machine to go back and rescue Hitler from his fate in his bunker. So, again, uncomfortable subject matter, right? Yep. Um, now, the, the, the next one, obviously, it's just because of the international rights. Um, uh, and, and probably, well, okay, it's a Soviet-era film. All right. Now, copyright laws, uh, from what I understand, there are, like, no copyright law- laws in Russia. <laughs> because they bootleg all of our stuff over there. You know, and um, and and but this movie is a Soviet era silent film called Cosmic Voyage from 1934. It was one of the last silent Soviet films made. But the special effects in this movie, I, I was watching it and I looked at Susan and I said, there would be no Star Wars if it wasn't for this movie. The the model miniature special effects and stop animation in this and, you know, like. They had like sweeping camera moves around this spaceship while all these little moving parts and scaffolding and, you know, super tiny details on this rocket ship in this movie. It was impressive. I thought it was really cool looking. And if you hadn't have told me it was stop motion, um, model, model, miniature stuff, I would have thought it was, it was real. It had been built because it, it looks pretty real, you know. Oh yeah, it was breathtaking, and um, but yeah, so so that that's another one. Um, I'm assuming the rights on that. It's just because I I don't think Russia wants to have anything to do with. They don't care. They don't care about the Soviet stuff. They just let it all go to shit, you know. So um, and of course, who cares? We, you know, Russia. What are you going to sue us? Uh, <laughs> um, then. Uh, there's a movie uh, that I listed from it too called The Ten Gladiators. This was um, uh, so many gladiators. It's a muscle fest, man. It is a muscle Woo! fest. Uh, but yeah, it that's I think that's an Italian. Yeah, that's an Italian movie. A lot of those sword and sandal movies fall into the public domain. Um, another interesting one that I'd never heard of until I got this lot was you it's get co- that movie. You yeah, know? it's called The Shadow House of Mystery from 1932, which. It has the character, the shadow from the pulp movies, or I'm sorry, the the pulp novels and the radio series made famous by Orson Welles, except it has another actor playing the shadow, but the shadow acts more like, kind of like the Crypt Keeper or, you know, um, or, you know, Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone, basically is a bookend uh, figure about how, oh, look at the crimes that are about to be committed. And then at the end, it's like, oh, crime does not pay. You know, and it's three three pulp noir short short films, pretty interesting stuff. 
And yeah. another one called She from 1925 with Betty Blythe, a British-German fantasy adventure silent film. And this one, I have a feeling it's probably low. It actually, I think, has pre-code nudity in it, too. Um, I was reading up more on it. So that's, that's you know, I wouldn't say it's problematic for release, but, you know, the movie's almost 100 years old. So uh, I'm, it's almost certainly public domain, but the 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 writer was um, oh the author's name was Haggard, who did uh, King Solomon's Mines, and apparently he was a big racist. So <laughs> um, uh, there's probably some problematic uh, material in there with race, I'm sure. Uh, Terror of the Barbarians from 1959 with Steve Reeves. This one um, is, uh, I think this one's Italian as well. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what where this was made. Yeah, it's it's Italian. Um, but this one was actually I was surprised. It's widescreen and has a pretty vivid color. And this is loosely based on the Lombard invasion of Italy in AD 568. Uh, and let me see what I was. I, I put 10 of these suckers up. Um, uh, the bat. This is the 1960 TV movie version of the bat with Helen Hayes and Jason Robards. And it's a kinescope recording. And if anybody knows what kinescope is, basically the, for a live television broadcast, what they would do is take a video camera and point it at a video screen and tape it live from the video screen yeah. as it was being broadcast. So it was one stationary camera capturing all the multi-camera stuff that was being fed into a, a TV screen. It has a very the kinescope has a very distinct look, and um, and I just thought that was kind of fascinating that you know. This is probably the only way that this has been preserved, you know. Um, sure. Then there's one called The Witch's Mountain from 1972 with Patty Shepard. It's a Spanish supernatural gory witchcraft movie. Uh, I had a problem with it. There was a dead cat in the beginning of it, and I, I had to turn it off. Um, so that's probably why that, you know, nobody, people aren't, people aren't very fond of seeing movies with dead animals in them. Um you know, and then uh, another one called Atlas. Still laws made until the seventies, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't even think that there were laws. I think it's just people started saying no animals were hurt in the filming of this. You know, and then yeah. people started movies that had that because they don't want they don't want things to die for them. You know. Yeah, and then uh, Atlas in the Land of the Cyclops, nineteen sixty one, another Italian sword and sandal movie. Um, but yeah, so I, I tried not to put too much of the sword and sandal up, but all at once. But I was like, "What the hell?" That's because I kind of the other ones are all in a box, and they're at the at the bottom of uh, another a couple other boxes, and I didn't feel like digging them out. But yeah, I'm gonna be putting a lot of that stuff up. It's weird. Um, the company's really cool. I don't know how many of these titles are still in print or available from them. Uh, I don't even know much about how the company operates now. So. Um, but yeah, so uh, that that's you know kind of the new move that we're doing is trying to get these sinister cinema ones up uh, because I think there's about eighty of them, seventy five to eighty that I got in this lot, and if I and can sell, are... mm -hmm. 
Oh, I was going to say, you did have some cinema, cinema, sinister cinema of your own, but we bought yes. a lot. Yeah, I, uh, the, the VHS, I used to do mail order VHS from them and uh back in the early 90s and they had uh in even fewer frills on the vhs it was like a black and white cardboard sleeve that said sinister cinema and like had the silhouette of a a couple approaching a haunted castle on it you know um so uh so the 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 burn on demand dvds are a little uh a little more interesting looking than the old vhs but there's no information on the backs of the cases or anything like that. So that's why I'm investing, you know, time into the research to give a decent description and my own take sure. on, on things. I could probably just track down a generic description for each thing. But, you know, I want to put my own knowledge into that and, uh, you know, go from there. And inspiration. Yeah. Inspiration to buy and watch the movie. Sure. Yep. So... Um, but all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we have a new Oz book to get to tonight. Um, and we've got three, uh, not, uh, we have the prologue and two chapters for everybody. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and go to the break and, uh, we'll play, uh, our other serial commercial block here. And when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what the patchwork girl of Oz is all about. Come to the Honeycomb hideout. I'm Mr. Big and I'm tired of small cereals. Give me something with a big, big bite. Honeycomb Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not small. No, no, no. Honeycomb's got a big, big bite. Big, big taste in a big, big bite. Right, a nutritious breakfast for post Honeycomb gives you a big bite. Big, big bite. It tastes right. Honeycomb bite. You like my coat? It's made of golden sugar. Mmm, tastes like the golden sugar coating on the Super Sugar Crisp. Hey, boss, look! Yeah, a golden bear. Hold on, this is a golden sugar coat. Mmm, mmm, it's just like my cereal's golden sugar coating. Mm-mm. Golden sugar coating makes my cereal... Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah! And post Super Sugar Crisp cereal's part of a balanced breakfast. I love your cereal's golden sugar coating. That's why they call me Sugar Bear. Maybe you're sort of tired of eating the same old thing day after day. Maybe you'd like to try something different, something delicious, something with a marvelous flavor that just knocks the spots off any other cereal you've ever tried. Now, if that's the case, why don't you ask your mother to let you have a big bowl of crackly, crunchy, golden brown Wheaties Flakes tomorrow morning. Ask your mother to let you have a cereal you'll really like the taste of. Ask her for the big, husky cereal for wide-awake fellows and girls who not only star things, but who see them through. Your mother will be mighty glad to let you have Wheaties, too. For most any fellow's or girl's mother wants to see them eat a big bowl of a nourishing whole wheat cereal every morning. And your mother probably knows, too, that authorities now recognize that Wheaties supply the very same amount of heat-producing units you need to help keep your body warm these cold winter days as a cooked cereal does. So you can be sure she'll be glad to let you have all the Wheaties you want to eat this winter, if you ask her for them. Remind your mother to always look for the famous seal of acceptance of the Committee on Foods of the American Medical Association whenever she buys Wheaties. That seal means much to her. It tells her that Wheaties are a pure product, honestly advertised. And another thing, remind your mother that lots of grocers are featuring Wheaties and bananas now. Ask her to get some of each next time she goes to the store. 
Try that delicious breakfast combination tomorrow morning. You'll say it's swell. Fried Wheaties, they're whole wheat with all of the brands. Won't you try Wheaties, for wheat is the best food of man. They're crispy, they're crunchy the whole year through. Jack Hampton never tires of them and neither will you. So just buy Wheaties. The best Nuts and honey. See, take this. An unbeatable part of this nutritious breakfast. That's better than a body slam. Undefeated. And still champion. It's a honey It's honey nut Cheerios. The honey of an O. It's Honey Nut Cheerios. It's kind of making me want Wheaties oh. and bananas. Well, mm. what's stopping you? What's stopping you? Buying yeah. Wheaties? Yeah, that. <laughs> Salt content, Wheaties. All That's right. Awesome. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, yes. We got our kiddo teaser out there kiddo drop uh oh. coming up it's a kitty it's a kitty a yeah. kitty so um and uh oh. now the question is is kiddo have a kitty or does kiddo have a kitty tattoo we shall see <laughs> uh and uh let's see um, yeah, so again, uh, tonight we have the first three installments. The one, uh, first two chapters and the, the uh, introduction to uh, the Patchwork Girl of Oz. So starting a whole new story. This I'm wholly unfamiliar with the Patchwork Girl of Oz, so this will be a fun experience for me. So, oh. Remember it all, but I think it was one of my favorites. There, oh, kiddo Patchwork that. Kiddo. Patchwork kiddo. You were close. Great. You were close. So, <laughs> so that's gonna be fun to color. You so yeah. Uh yeah. So Aww. that's so very maybe fun. kiddo like goes and meets the patchwork girl, and the patchwork girl is like, "Hey, kiddo, you and me, me and you, we got stuff in common." See? Sure. I can't uh, see kiddo having a tattoo though. Oh. Yeah. I don't think 
Well, maybe, maybe. Maybe. If never eats, say never. If he eats one of the uh, a rotten pumpkin out of Jack Pumpkinhead's pumpkin patch, he might, you know, might be fermented, and then he he'll go out and he'll get a tattoo. <laughs> I don't know. Cute. Uh, so yeah, so this kiddo tries for a new lo look in his latest adventure in Oz. So that's super cute. And uh, I'm saving the image to my desktop. Uh, there we go. Yeah, and I, I think I'm going to just try to remember why Patchwork Girls was one of my favorites. I think it's because it's one of those origin stories. It's like the story of a character, how it began, how it went on a journey, and how it fits in with the rest of the Oz characters. I could be wrong. Like I said... The whole reason why I want to do this and listen to these recordings is because I don't think I'm going to sit down and read all ten of these novels. But it's kind of reminding me of where I was when I read these for the first time. And I think I, think I was in sixth grade. That's a little old but for these books. But that's uh, when I discovered them, sixth or sixth yeah, grade. Twelve years old isn't too... I mean, it's not good. Oh. Yeah, I was under the impression that it was probably baby stuff, and I should grow up. But I wasn't in it. I wasn't too in a yeah. hurry to grow up. So I'd stop playing at dolls, but I. Well, you should have been reading Jack Kerouac at twelve. Yeah, if I was cool, I would have. But I was. Who wants to be cool? Let's be the nerdy kids. So, yeah. I was like, where are the dragon? I want to read about dragons and unicorns. Mm -hmm. Read about that stuff. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's go ahead and get things uh, loaded here. Um, here is the prologue, about four minutes long. And, of course, these are read by our good friend, Phil Chenevere. Purpose of the Patchwork Girl of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. The Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Prologue. Through the kindness of Dorothy Gale of Kansas, afterward Princess Dorothy of Oz, an humble writer in the United States of America was once appointed Royal Historian of Oz, with the privilege of writing the chronicle of that wonderful fairyland. But after making six books about the adventures of those interesting but queer people who live in the land of Oz, the historian learned with sorrow that by an edict of the supreme ruler, Ozma of Oz, her country would thereafter be rendered invisible to all who lived outside its borders, and that all communication with Oz would, in the future, be cut off. The children who had learned to look for the books about Oz, and who loved the stories about the gay and happy people inhabiting that favored country, were as sorry as their historian that there would be no more books of Oz stories. They wrote many letters, asking if the historian did not know of some adventures to write about that had happened before the land of Oz was shut out from all the rest of the world, but he did not know of any. Finally, one of the children inquired why we couldn't hear from Princess Dorothy by wireless telegraph. 
which would enable her to communicate to the historian whatever happened in the far-off land of Oz without his seeing her, or even knowing just where Oz is. This seemed a good idea, so the historian rigged up a high tower in his backyard and took lessons in wireless telegraphy until he understood it, and then began to call Princess Dorothy of Oz by sending messages into the air. Now, it wasn't likely that Dorothy would be looking for wireless messages or would heed the call, but one thing the historian was sure of, and that was that the powerful sorceress, Glinda, would know what he was doing and that he desired to communicate with Dorothy. For Glinda has a big book in which is recorded every event that takes place anywhere in the world just the moment that it happens. And so, of course, the book would tell her about the wireless message. And that was the way Dorothy heard that the historian wanted to speak with her. And there was a shaggy man in the land of Oz who knew how to telegraph a wireless reply. The result was that the historian begged so hard to be told the latest news of Oz so that he could write it down for the children to read that Dorothy asked permission of Ozma, and Ozma graciously consented. That is why, after two long years of waiting, another Oz story is now presented to the children of America. This would not have been possible had not some clever man invented the wireless, and an equally clever child suggested the idea of reaching the mysterious land of Oz by its means. L. Frank Baum, Oscott, at Hollywood in California. End of prologue. All right, so that was the quick little prologue. Uh, so, yeah, so he's like, all right, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that true? No, I, I think I think he tried some other things. Like, I know that he has, that Frank L. Baum, L. Frank Baum, saying his name wrong as usual, um, he did plays. He did, um, he did Wizard of Oz as a play before it was a novel, I think. I don't know. Anyway, he did, he tried to do other things. But people were just like, we want more Oz and more Oz. And we also want more Oz. So why don't you give us some more Oz? So I, I think that he was just like, okay, here we go. You know? Yep. So here's yeah. uh let's go ahead and start. The first chapter's pretty uh pretty short. Here you go. Chapter one of the Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter one Ojo and Unk Nunky. Where's the butter, Unk Nunky? asked Ojo. Unk looked out of the window and stroked his long beard. Then he turned to the munchkin boy and shook his head. Isn't, said he. Isn't any butter? That's too bad, Unc. Where's the jam, then? inquired Ojo, standing on a stool so he could look through all the shelves of the cupboard. But Unc Nunky shook his head again. Gone, he said. No jam either? And no cake? No jelly? No apples? Nothing but bread? All said Unc, 
again stroking his beard as he gazed from the window. The little boy brought the stool and sat beside his uncle, munching the dry bread slowly and seeming in deep thought. Nothing grows in our yard but the bread tree, he mused, and there are only two more loaves on that tree, and they're not ripe yet. Tell me, Unc, why are we so poor? The old munchkin turned and looked at Ojo. He had kindly eyes, but he hadn't smiled or laughed in so long that the boy had forgotten that Unc Nunky could look any other way than solemn. And Unc never spoke any more words than he was obliged to, so his little nephew, who lived alone with him, had learned to understand a great deal from one word. "'Why are we so poor, Unc?' repeated the boy. "'Not,' said the old munchkin. "'I think we are,' declared Ojo. "'What have we got?' "'House,' said Unc Nunky. "'I know, but everyone in the land of Oz has a place to live. "'What else, Unc?' "'Bread.' "'I'm eating the last loaf that's ripe. "'There, I've put aside your share, Unc. "'It's on the table, so you can eat it when you get hungry. "'But when that is gone, what shall we eat, Unc?' The old man shifted in his chair, but merely shook his head. "'Of course,' said Ojo, who was obliged to talk, because his uncle would not. "'No one starves in the land of Oz, either. There is plenty for everyone, you know. Only, if it isn't just where you happen to be, you must go where it is.' The aged munchkin wriggled again and stared at his small nephew, as if disturbed by his argument. By tomorrow morning, the boy went on, we must go where there is something to eat, or we shall grow very hungry and become very unhappy. Where? asked Unc. Where shall we go? I don't know, I'm sure, replied Ojo. But you must know, Unc. You must have traveled in your time because you're so old. I don't remember it because ever since I could remember anything, We've lived right here in this lonesome round house, with a little garden back of it and the thick woods all around. All I've ever seen of the great land of Oz, Unc dear, is the view of that mountain over at the south, where they say the Hammerheads live, who won't let anybody go by them, and that mountain to the north, where they say nobody lives. One, declared Unc, correcting him. Oh, yes, one family lives there, I've heard. That's the crooked magician who is named Dr. Pipt and his wife Margolotti. One year you told me about them. I think it took you a whole year, Unc, to say as much as I've ever said about the crooked magician and his wife. They live high up on the mountain, and the good munchkin country where the fruits and flowers grow is just the other side. It's funny you and I should live here all alone, in the middle of the forest, isn't it? Yes, said Unc. Then let's go away and visit the Munchkin country and its jolly good-natured people. I'd love to get a sight of something beside woods, Unc Nunky. Too little, said Unc. Why, I'm not so little as I used to be, answered the boy earnestly. I think I can walk as far and as fast through the woods as you can, Unc. And now that nothing grows in our backyard that is good to eat, we must go where there is food. 
Unk Nunky made no reply for a time. Then he shut down the window and turned his chair to face the room, for the sun was sinking behind the treetops, and it was growing cool. By and by, Ojo lighted the fire and the logs blazed freely in the broad fireplace. The two sat in the firelight a long time. The old, white-bearded munchkin and the little boy. Both were thinking. When it grew quite dark outside, Ojo said, Eat your bread, Unc, and then we will go to bed. But Unc Nunky did not eat the bread. Neither did he go directly to bed. Long after his little nephew was sound asleep in the corner of the room, the old man sat by the fire, thinking. End of chapter one. Told you that one was short. It was, but first of all, wouldn't that be delicious to have a bread tree? Second of all, do you like these characters? Um, yeah, they kind of, yeah, it's not bad. They're cute. I think they're cute. Unk-nunky. There are hummer, there are hammerheads nearby. Yeah, I don't remember the hammerheads. I don't think we've been there. He just makes up new people. Like a new city all the time. All the time. You will never go to the same city twice. (laughs) To my knowledge. Except for Oz. I mean... I'm pretty sure. Well, the except for the Emerald City, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but I want a bread tree. Why not? Yeah, that carborific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it's in- an interesting little start. Kind of curious yeah. to see what what's going on here. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and jump right into the other one because I'm making good progress on coloring. So. Uh, sure. Here we go. Uh, here is uh, open the right program, Ken, and you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, <laughs> here is uh, Patchwork Girl uh, in of Oz, uh, Chapter Two. Chapter Two of the Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Crooked Magician. Just at dawn next morning, Unc Nunky laid his hand tenderly on Ojo's head and wakened him. Come, he said. Ojo dressed. He wore blue silk stockings, blue knee pants with gold buckles, a blue ruffled waist, and a jacket of bright blue braided with gold. His shoes were of blue leather and turned up at the toes, which were pointed. His hat had a peaked crown and a flat brim, and around the brim was a row of tiny golden bells that tinkled when he moved. This was the native costume of those who inhabited the Munchkin country of the Land of Oz, so Unc Nunky's dress was much like that of his nephew. Instead of shoes, the old man wore boots with turnover tops, and his blue coat had wide cuffs of gold braid. The boy noticed that his uncle had not eaten the bread, and supposed the old man had not been hungry. Ojo was hungry, though, so he divided the piece of bread upon the table and ate his half for breakfast, washing it down with fresh, cool water from the brook. Unc put the other piece of bread in his jacket pocket, after which he again said, as he walked out through the doorway, Come. 
Kojo was well pleased. He was dreadfully tired of living all alone in the woods and wanted to travel and see people. For a long time he had wished to explore the beautiful land of Oz in which they lived. When they were outside, Unc simply latched the door and started up the path. No one would disturb their little house, even if anyone came so far into the thick forest while they were gone. At the foot of the mountain that separated the country of the Munchkins from the country of the Gillikins, the path divided. One way led to the left and the other to the right, straight up the mountain. Unc Nucky took this right-hand path, and Ojo followed him without asking why. He knew it would take them to the house of the crooked magician, whom he had never seen, but who was their nearest neighbor. All the morning they trudged up the mountain path, and at noon Unc and Ojo sat on a fallen tree trunk and ate the last of the bread which the old munchkin had placed in his pocket. Then they started on again, and two hours later came in sight of the house of Dr. Pipt. It was a big house, round, as were all the munchkin houses, and painted blue, which is the distinctive color of the munchkin country of Oz. There was a pretty garden around the house, where blue trees and blue flowers grew in abundance, and in one place were beds of blue cabbages, blue carrots, and blue lettuce, all of which were delicious to eat. In Dr. Pipt's garden grew bun trees, cake trees, cream puff bushes, blue buttercups, which yielded excellent blue butter, and a row of chocolate caramel plants. Paths of blue gravel divided the vegetable and flower beds, and a wider path led up to the front door. The place was in a clearing on the mountain, but a little way off was the grim forest which completely surrounded it. Unc knocked at the door of the house, and a chubby, pleasant-faced woman, dressed all in blue, opened it and greeted the visitors with a smile. Ah, said Ojo, you must be Dame Margolotte, the good wife of Dr. Pipt. I am, my dear, and all strangers are welcome to my home. May we see the famous magician, madam? He is very busy just now, she said, shaking her head doubtfully. But come in and let me give you something to eat, for you must have traveled far in order to get to our lonely place. We have, replied Ojo, as he and Unc entered the house. We have come from a far lonelier place than this. A lonelier place? And in Munchkin country? she exclaimed. Then it must be somewhere in the blue forest. It is, good dame Margolotte. Dear me! she said, looking at the man. You must be Uncle Nunky, known as the Silent One. Then she looked at the boy. And you must be Ojo the Unlucky, she added. Yes, said Unc. I never knew I was called the Unlucky, said Ojo soberly. But it is really a good name for me. Well, remarked the woman, as she bustled around the room and set the table and brought food from the cupboard, you were unlucky to live all alone in that dismal forest, which is much worse than the forest around here. But perhaps your luck will change now you are away from it. 
if during your travels you can manage to lose that un at the beginning of your name unlucky, you will then become Ojo the Lucky, which will be a great improvement. How can I lose that un, Dame Morgulot? I do not know how, but you must keep the matter in mind, and perhaps the chance will come to you, she replied. Ojo had never eaten such a fine meal in all his life. There was a savory stew, smoking hot, a dish of blue peas, a bowl of sweet milk of a delicate blue tint, and a blue pudding with blue plums in it. When the visitors had eaten heartily of this fare, the woman said to them, Do you wish to see Dr. Pipt on business or for pleasure? Unk shook his head. We are traveling, replied Ojo, and we stopped at your house just to rest and refresh ourselves. I do not think Unk Nunky cares very much to see the famous crooked magician, but for my part, I am curious to look at such a great man. The woman seemed thoughtful. I remember that Unk Nunky and my husband used to be friends many years ago, she said, so perhaps they will be glad to meet again. The magician is very busy, as I said. But if you will promise not to disturb him, you may come into his workshop and watch him prepare a wonderful charm. Thank you, replied the boy, much pleased. I would like to do that. She led the way to a great domed hall at the back of the house, which was the magician's workshop. There was a row of windows extending nearly around the sides of the circular room, which rendered the place very light, and there was a back door in addition to the one leading to the front part of the house. Before the row of windows a broad seat was built, and there were some chairs and benches in the room besides. At one end stood a great fireplace, in which a blue log was blazing with a blue flame, and over the fire hung four kettles in a row, all bubbling and steaming at a great rate. The magician was stirring all four of these kettles at the same time, two with his hands and two with his feet. To the latter wooden ladles had been strapped, for this man was so very crooked that his legs were as handy as his arms. Unk Nunky came forward to greet his old friend, but not being able to shake either his hands or his feet, which were all occupied in stirring, he patted the magician's bald head and asked, What? Ah, it's the silent one, remarked Dr. Pipt, without looking up, and he wants to know what I'm making. Well, when it is quite finished, this compound will be the wonderful powder of life which no one knows how to make but myself. Whenever it is sprinkled on anything, that thing will at once come to life, no matter what it is. It takes me several years to make this magic powder, but at this moment I am pleased to say it is nearly done. You see, I am making it for my good wife, Morgalot, who wants to use some of it for a purpose of her own. Sit down and make yourself comfortable, Unk Nunky, and after I've finished my task, I will talk to you. You must know, said Morgulot, when they were all seated together on the broad window seat, that my husband foolishly gave away all the powder of life he first made to old Mumby the Witch, 
who used to live in the country of the Gillikins to the north of here, Mombi gave to Dr. Pipt a powder of perpetual youth in exchange for his powder of life, but she cheated him wickedly, for the power of youth was no good and could work no magic at all. Perhaps the powder of life couldn't either, said Ojo. Yes, it is perfection, she declared. The first lot we tested on our glass cat, which not only began to live, but has lived ever since. She's somewhere around the house now. A glass cat, exclaimed Ojo, astonished. Yes, she makes a very pleasant companion, but admires herself a little more than is considered modest, and she positively refuses to catch mice, explained Margolot. My husband made the cat some pink brains, but they proved to be too high-bred and particular for a cat, so she thinks it is undignified in her to catch mice. Also, she has a pretty blood-red heart, but it is made of stone, a ruby, I think, and so is rather hard and unfeeling. I think the next glass cat the magician makes will have neither brains nor heart, for then it will not object to catching mice and may prove of some use to us. What did old Mumby the witch do with the powder of life your husband gave her? asked the boy. She brought Jack Pumpkinhead to life for one thing, was the reply. I suppose you've heard of Jack Pumpkinhead. He is now living near the Emerald City, and is a great favorite with the Princess Ozma, who rules all the land of Oz. No, I've never heard of him, remarked Ojo. I'm afraid I don't know much about the land of Oz. You see, I've lived all my life with Unc Nunky, the silent one, and there was no one to tell me anything. That is one reason you are Ojo the Unlucky, said the woman in a sympathetic tone. The more one knows, the luckier he is, for knowledge is the greatest gift of life. But tell me, please, what you intend to do with this new lot of the powder of life which Dr. Pipt is making. He said his wife wanted it for some special purpose. So I do, she answered. I want to bring my patchwork girl to life. Oh, a patchwork girl? What is that? Ojo asked, for this seemed even more strange and unusual than a glass cat. I think I must show you my patchwork girl, said Morgulot, laughing at the boy's astonishment, for she is rather difficult to explain. But first I will tell you that for many years I have longed for a servant to help me with the housework and to cook the meals and wash the dishes. No servant will come here, because the place is so lonely and out of the way. So my clever husband, the crooked magician, proposed that I make a girl out of some sort of material, and he would make her live by sprinkling over her the powder of life. This seemed an excellent suggestion, and at once Dr. Pipt set to work to make a new batch of his magic powder. He has been at it a long, long while, and so I have had plenty of time to make the girl. Yet that task was not so easy as you may suppose. At first I couldn't think what to make her of, but finally, in searching through a chest, I came across an old patchwork quilt which my grandmother once made when she was young. What's a patchwork quilt? asked Ojo. A bed quilt made of patches of different kinds and colors of cloth, all neatly sewn together, 
The patches are of all shapes and sizes, so a patchwork quilt is a very pretty and gorgeous thing to look at. Sometimes it is called a crazy quilt, because the patches and colors are so mixed up. We never have used my grandmother's many-colored patchwork quilt, handsome as it is, for we munchkins do not care for any color other than blue, so it has been packed away in the chest for about a hundred years. When I found it, I said to myself that it would do nicely for my servant girl, for when she was brought to life she would not be proud nor haughty as the glass cat is, for such a dreadful mixture of colors would discourage her from trying to be as dignified as the blue munchkins are. Is blue the only respectable color, then? inquired Ojo. Yes, for a munchkin. All our country is blue, you know. But in other parts of Oz the people favor different colors. At Emerald City, where our Princess Ozma lives, green is the popular color. But all munchkins prefer blue to anything else. And when my housework girl is brought to life, she will find herself to be of so many unpopular colors that she'll never dare be rebellious or impudent, as servants are sometimes liable to be when they are made the same way their mistresses are. Unc Nunky nodded approval. Good idea, he said, and that was a long speech for Unc Nunky because it was two words. So I cut up the quilt, continued Morgulot, and made from it a very well-shaped girl, which I stuffed with cotton wadding. I will show you what a good job I did. And she went to a tall cupboard and threw open the doors. Then back she came, lugging in her arms the patchwork girl, which she set upon the bench and propped up so that the figure would not tumble over. End of chapter 2 Well, there you go. There's your patchwork girl. Uh... That's how she came about. Once again, just a crooked magician making a bunch of powder of life for no reason, which is, what's the powder of life? It's cocaine. Cocaine, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it just makes things come to life. And the next chat, the next uh, book is Cocaine Fiends of Oz. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, I do like the glass cat. That's like my, it's just, I think, yeah, I, I wanted the glass cat pretty badly. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think that they've ever, I, you know, I, I, I do like little glass animals. <laughs> Another thing you didn't need to know about me, but when I see little glass animals, like, I think they used to give it to us, give those to us when we went to the dentist and stuff. I always, like, have to buy them, and it's like, if they're tiny, you know? But I've never seen someone make a, a little glass cat like the glass cat of Oz. That'd be adorable. So. I yeah. remember seeing little glass cats. Yeah, but no, never one with a little red ruby heart. Oh, well, yeah, okay. And little pink brains. That would be cute. Anyway, you'll you'll get to know her. Yeah, she's she is haughty, but we've had a lot of haughty animals. Belina was very, very, uh, you know, haughty, and uh, Toto was high spirited, even though he didn't talk. Mm-hmm. 
So we've got a lot of, we've had a lot of tiny little animals with attitude. So here we go again. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, could be fun. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so there we go. There was, uh, there was that. Oh, cats knocking glasses over. Yeah. So that when, when you look up glass and cat, that's what yeah. you find. Lots of wacky yeah. things. So, yeah. Or when you look but, up. But, uh, hmm? Come here. What does that cat sound like? <laughs> oh, that's my little boy. That's my sweet little boy. Do not like being picked up. What's, uh, yeah, Tennessee does not like being picked up. And what's really hilarious is when you pick him up, sometimes he'll just, he'll make this noise and it sounds like you're just squeezing the air out of him. Yeah, like, you're yeah. hurting. And it's like, oh my God, dude. I literally Trauma. just picked you up. Trauma. Well, guess who's outside his door right now? His uh, arch nemesis, Jeliza Rose. Jeliza Rose. So. Yeah, well, uh, anyway, um, well, yeah. Uh, if we didn't have that door closed, we'd be able to, you'd be able to hear me on your microphone and you on mine. Um, huh. So, uh, anyway, uh, we should probably wrap up early. So we got a lot of stuff to do. But thank you, Foxfire, for the awesome... Uh, your awesome show art. Patchwork kiddo. Yeah, you gotta love it. I mean, yeah. I, I that is a fun coloring thing. That is gorgeous, fun coloring, right? Oh yeah, that was a that was really easy to do because you know I just pick one color and randomize it. Pick another, randomize it, and see. Make sure I don't put too many too close together. And and uh, when you say randomize well, it, do you have to touch it to each spot, or does it yeah. just do it itself? No, oh. I do it. I I do it myself. I, I randomly choose. Oh. Uh, you know, I started with. Okay, the, I get it. I started with the red. Nice. And then, then I did the yellow, and then I yeah. did purple probably. So, uh, but yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, and there's a K patch on there for kiddo too, if you noticed. <laughs> so, um, and there's two kitty patches. Anyway, yeah. uh yeah, so um be sure to join us tomorrow uh mm -hmm. on uh it came from Cleveland. Michelle and I uh we're not doing any particular birthdays. We're going to be talking about horror and sci-fi movies from 40 years ago, celebrating a lot of amazing films that came out in 1982. Miles has a war story for us and Joe is going to do a fun uh, birthday celebrity quiz for us. It's gonna be fun. Ooh, so fun stuff. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Okay. Oh, my big dinner is catching up with me. <laughs> I didn't have as big of a dinner, so I'm okay. All right. Well, it was lovely talking to all y'all, and uh, hope you have a good good week and hopefully you'll all come back for next week when we find out more of why the patchwork of Oz is one of my favorites i don't remember why but i do i do know that i love the glass cat so that's probably why and the whole concept of the powder of life how much better than all this frankensteining sewing things together you just sprinkle it on there and they're alive easy yeah. magic Tennessee, Tennessee does have one parting shot. <laughs> mm -hmm.
Good night, all.